Hello, we are the Edgy Futurists. I'm Dan Fitzpatrick. I'm Ben Whitaker. And I'm Stephen Hope. The podcast by educators for educators, the Edgy Futurist Podcast. Hello, welcome to Edgy Futurists. You can contact us on Twitter at Edgy Futurists or on Facebook forward slash Edgy Futurists. Yeah, check out the website www.edgyfuturists.com and you can email us info at edgyfuturists.com. So joining us on the podcast today is John Neal. John is the digital learning leader at Halcyon London International School and is passionate about the effective use of technology to enhance learning outcomes. He has a BSc in economics and a master's in information technology, both from the University of Nottingham. John is an apps events trainer, Apple AD, and a Google for Education certified innovator and trainer. You often see him as the partner of Ollie Trussell from episode uh, another episode of the podcast on the Google for Education standout bet. He's the really tall one, by the way. He is an advocate of using robots in VR, AR in the classroom, and he's actively promoted on Twitter at UK. His school was included in the EdTech 50 schools list announced at the beginning of May and celebrated at the House of Lords. This was a recognition of the innovative ways they use EdTech and the benefits this gives to students under John's leadership. The podcast by educators, for educators, the EduFuturist podcast. So it's so great to have you on, John. Uh, how, how are you? It is a real pleasure to be here with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. And what a wonderful introduction. Goodness, I hope I, hope I can live up to some of that at least. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wanted to make sure we got in that uh, you were the tall one as well. We were going to do well, a lot of... said the good-looking one or the funny one or the, you know, there's yeah, all sorts. There's all yeah, sorts, but, you could, could have done I'll, that. I'll, t- I'll take I'll take the tall one. I'll take the tall one. <laughs> so so you work at, um, at Halcyon School. Uh, just right. give us a bit of a background of what you do there. So for the yeah, listeners, sure. you? okay, yeah, um, perfect, Ben. So I've been at Halcyon. This is my third year. Uh, before that, I was a teacher for just over ten years um, at a school in Hampshire, which is actually where I still live. I'm still based in Southampton with a nice, healthy commute. <laughs> um, I've kind of taught, went from teaching PE to economics, bit of computer science as well. So the reason that that has relevance is I'm not really a techie. So the work I do at Halcyon is working alongside teaching colleagues to plan lessons, and then I'll join them actually in the delivery of those lessons. I'll work with students, but always trying to make sure that when we're introducing a new digital tool, that it's always with a purpose, and it's always in the context of their learning, trying to make sure that the event of the lesson is the actual learning itself uh, rather than the sort of tool. And then I'll also run sessions for the wider community, be those um, for parents. So we might, for example, do an augmented reality session for parents. But we'll also do things in our role as a G Suite reference school, as an Apple regional training centre for the wider educational community. So for schools in and around London, basically. The work that you're doing there, it sounds very much like the tech uh, coach role that you see in America a lot, dotted around the United States. Uh, It's quite an innovative idea for a school in the UK. Yeah, so that's actually one of the reasons why I have my uh, commute, Dan. <laughs> right. Um, it's, uh, yeah, so it's it's different. Uh, we are an international baccalaureate school, so it's a little bit more common in, in schools that deliver the IB. But, yeah, it is kind of like a tech integration. But what's great is actually, like, a little bit more than that, I'm actually privileged to sit on the leadership team. So that's with the director. We have our two curriculum coordinators, myself as a digital lead, and we have a wellbeing leader as well. And that's actually something that I really appreciate because we get that balance of digital. So looking at the innovation, um, but really balancing that with driven by the curriculum, but also by mindfulness and well-being for staff and students alike. 
That's a that sounds amazing. Is that and is that where um, I think we're going to come on to EdTech Fifty? Is that where that came about? The recognition because of the, because of that. I think I think I think that was definitely part of it. Um, I mean, there was definitely uh, part of our application was that we do try to make sure that it's all balanced. Um, but as much as possible, we try to make the, um, as I say, sort of tech in itself is actually like a big event going on in the class. We try to make that actually invisible as possible. There are some pretty cool things that, that we'll do in lessons that a little bit more than support the learning, but, but can often actually transform what's going on in the class. Um, but as I say as well, one of the key things, one of the kind of um, rivers that sort of runs through the school is the... Um, uh, the consistent approach to mindfulness and we we're all like qualified we've done courses in cognitive coaching so we make sure that we you know that we try and stay stay true to that uh we're a school that uses uh restorative practice rather than detentions and lots of sanctions and things so yeah so it's it's an innovative place to be as you say yeah, yeah it sounds like it yeah I, I, like ben said there your school the house in london international school was in the edtech 50 I, we we get a lot of listeners who are outside of the uk who've probably never heard of that don't know what it is and maybe <laughs> maybe some listeners in the uk too could you maybe give us a bit of a background as to what the edtech 50 is and and kind of and what it's like to be part of that yeah sure so the kind of i guess it was like the hunt or the search for the uh, 50 schools in the UK, so in the United Kingdom, that were using technology in a way that was a little bit different. So rather than just buying your hardware and saying to the community, good luck, off you go, and then wondering a few months later why it wasn't working and then blaming it all on the tech, I think it was a real opportunity for schools to not only to apply, um, but it was interesting. So now you had Mark Anderson on um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he was one of the judges as part of that the process. And it was interesting speaking to Mark after the awards itself and that the actual process of application was really good because um, myself, the digital lead, and with, my, with the school leaders, we had a chance to really reflect on, on what we were doing and, more importantly, why we were doing it. So I think that, that was, it was a real honour to be part of that list. And as you said, Dan, it was, a really, um, it was a really nice occasion going to being invited along to the House of Lords for the big launch day. Sounds like that that was fun. I uh, saw some of the pictures from that, uh, and just just the House of Lords, just like the fact that you got to the House of Lords. You got it. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. So um, I know that um, we we've had a few conversations recently around some of the stuff you've done with augmented reality and virtual reality, and uh, we were talking about uh, weird cuts. I know you did some uh, some tweets about that recently. Do you want to tell us about what you've been doing around that? Because I know that that's a big passion of yours. Yeah, um, so um, if we start with, with augmented reality. So interestingly, augmented reality is actually one of the first things that I used when I was getting into digital tools. The reason I got into it was because when I was a PE teacher, sport's always been a passion for mine. I'm all about physical activity and competition and, and the, thrill of the, um, the thrill of being in a match. Um, but when I was at my old school and I had a class of 35 plus, I think it was safe to say that not all the students shared, shared my passion for... <laughs> activity <laughs> so I was trying to find different ways I was trying to find different ways I could engage them and it was quite common and I guess probably so there's quite a lot of P lessons to have your traditional resource cards that would have a skill broken down to like let's say five different phases you pass them around and then you see as a teacher that with, with the best will in the world it's actually very hard to see that skill so I would work with my so let's say for 
for example, basketball team, the basketball players would demonstrate the skill, we'd capture that, and then we would use that worksheet. So we still have the same worksheet, but then you would scan that. And the whole thing with augmented reality is that worksheet would then come to life. And then um, one of the class would then see their peers demonstrating a skill. And it was a nice way to get people involved, not only with the being able to see the skill, but to be developing those worksheets, being the people responsible for recording, for producing them. And it was a nice way of really sparking my, sparking my enthusiasm for digital tools. And then from there, the, the, the growth of augmented reality has kind of really exploded in the last couple of years. I think it's one of those tools that lots of people, well, an increasing number of people have actually heard of, but I think when you actually see it in action and you see it in a classroom and you see the reactions of the kids as they're, rather than just reading about um, like a volcano erupting, you can put that volcano in the middle of their classroom. Um, it's a really special thing. Yeah. And then there are wonderful apps now. For example, we're a school that uses CoSpaces a lot and CoSpaces is a great tool for, for the creation of augmented reality and virtual reality experiences. So, What's great about that is it isn't just one of those apps where you can download great content that's ready to go from whichever is your app store of choice, um, but it also uh, it, it puts that power of creation into the hands of the students. And as you say, super recently, I've been playing with an app that comes out of uh, that came out of a collaborative piece between Google Arts and Culture and a couple of wonderfully wonderfully innovative artists, which allows you to. It's quite hard to describe, as yeah. you see, yeah. but allows you to basically take. Uh, um, images like the world around you and then to play those images into into 360 space and then record that piece and i'm really excited actually as a bit of a preview for doing house next year i've been speaking with our art department already got a really uh our kind of lead art teacher somebody who always raises lots of innovative ideas she's called sue dance and she is uh, yeah already thinking of great things and great ways that she'll be able to use tools like that in in her classroom that's amazing. It sounds good. Yeah, I'd love to see some of that. Have you got any of that online anywhere where people can check that out? Yeah, precisely. So um, if you just go on my Twitter feed, I've done something relatively recently. I did like a little, I actually went to the top of my road in Southampton and did like some, some weird cuts there. Um, but as I say, I've kind of showed it. I own it to my, to my art colleagues at Halcyon and we're, we're already thinking about how we can do it. We actually, this year, we did uh, we did an interdisciplinary unit where I, in collaboration with English and art teachers, it, the the interdisciplinary piece was about war poetry. So the students made a video that was their interpretation of the poem. They made art that again was a reflection on a poem. And then when they scanned their own work of art as part of the exhibition, the students' video then played over the top. I have to say it was really, really powerful stuff. Yeah, I bet, I bet it was. And you, you use Google Expeditions as well. I know we'll talk about Google. and. Yeah. It, is is I suppose that whole nature around uh, allowing students access to to places that they might never go to, or no, certainly like things like the moon and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's just it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, I mean we've got a couple of field trips planned, Ben, but we haven't got a field trip planned to the moon just yet. <laughs> um, but in but but in the meantime, as you say, yeah. So there's the Google Expeditions um, app, which is free and it's wonderful. There's like you know well over a thousand tours now both in virtual reality and in augmented reality. And I think that, you know, that, that it just allows that extra bit of, that extra depth to, to learning. You know, there are great things that you can learn from textbooks. There are great things that you can learn from, 
YouTube videos and the like, but when you're actually immersed into that space, um, particularly when it's led, led by the teacher, so you can have those guided tours, they're really, really powerful experiences. And we were lucky enough this year, actually, um, well, I was really proud, actually, two of my colleagues, one from science and one from Spanish, both actually presented alongside a couple of students from the school on how not only Google Expeditions, but how Talk Creator had helped to transform some of the activities that they were doing in the classroom. That's cool. And yeah. they presented, was that a bet? That was a bet. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. for example, so um, long story short, in Spanish, they did a, they used Google Expeditions to go on a 360, well, on a VR tour of Machu Picchu. They then um, really, all the kids and the teacher at Fatima really, really enjoyed that 360 experience. That was about the time when Tour Creator was getting quite popular as well. So they created a tour of the school, but was narrated in Spanish by the students. That's so good. That's cool. I know a lot of our, our listeners, teachers who who kind of you know overthink the the practicalities of things. And how how does that look in a school? Do you have uh, Google cardboards that you that are that are, like a class of them, or do you? Yeah, that's exactly it. Is that so how you do have, it? Um, so we so I should say we haven't got a a huge uh, space where. We're very, very central London. We're literally just on the corner of Hyde Park. So if you know London, that that's pretty central. Yeah, yeah. We've got we've got a, we've only got about 180 students, uh, and we're quite lucky in in the fact that, despite not having a huge amount of physical space, because we haven't got a, a huge student population, there are still areas that allow us to have, for example. So we do have a um, like a couple of class sets worth of Google Cardboard headsets. We also have a uh, relatively healthy stock of merge cubes, which again is another really excellent tool if any school is interested in um, sort of taking first steps into augmented reality. And then we have one or two things around that. So we'll also have to sort of supplement that. We have things like Sam Labs. We'll have some Lego Mindstorms. Just lots of things alongside the more traditional that you might have like Lego. Uh, just lots of ways that kids can explore that they can create. And that they can let their imaginations um, run or run wild, but within the context of the lesson and the learning, of course. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, um, I, I like that. I think v, VR is like a topic that we we kind of we always skirt around the edges in terms of um, some of the stuff that is that are out there um, that students can use at the moment. But we, I think, a conversation that we should have. I think we should we should have is where is it going? Where do you think it's going? And, I, and I'm yeah. kind of I'm. This is in my mind because I was just watching the new Black Mirror on Netflix yeah. yesterday. <laughs> I knew that was going to come out tonight. <laughs> and uh, and that show just always challenges me for what's coming in the future. And and, and I guess as uh, if anyone hasn't seen Black Mirror, it's kind of um, it's a television show on Netflix. It looks at um, different bits of technology and how they might um, evolve in the in the not so distant future, really, and how they might mm. impact on society. And I think VR is it's one that kind of it. It, it shot out of the gates a few years ago and then kind of slowed down a bit. AR has kind of has, has caught up to it a bit. Um, I just yeah. wonder, what, what's your thoughts on that? Where, where is that going? And, and how do you see that being integrated into society in the future? That, those are wonderful questions, Dan. Um, <laughs> and I must apologize as well that I haven't actually seen that episode, so I know what I'm going to, so I know what I'm going to be doing immediately after this uh, <laughs> conversation. Um, so I think, like... As, just as you described, I think VR really captured everyone's imagination. Um, there were you would see lots of pictures, not only on social media, but there was lots of coverage of 
schools doing various things that were really interesting and it was a real, real exploratory time of how VR might be used. I think there were one or two possibly concerns. You know what it's like that sometimes those concerns catch a bit of momentum and people are worried about how much time should you spend in VR. And then AR got, got some great press as well. Uh, I, I would say that over the last couple of years, I have used AR significantly more than I've used VR. But I'm really excited at the moment by, yes, it's great with, the, with Google Expeditions and some of the things that you can do, for example, a Daydream headset in a, in a regular phone. But I've been watching with interest people like Steve Embry, who I know is a real expert in the VR field, and how he, um, how he really captures so well and shares such wonderful tools about VR and how it's being used in his school from Tilt Brush to Shepherd Ferry, uh, graffiti to, to some really interesting things and I think what what I think was holding things back a little bit was that most of them needed to be anchored to a um, to most typically to a PC but I know now with the recent release of the Oculus Quest and the positive feedback uh, that that's had I, I think that that will probably interest a lot of schools and I would say that I'm actually one of those people who sort of raised eyebrows and is looking at that as a potential tool that we might be looking to bring to house in yeah so it's a uh... You just you just wonder like with this this college that I'm in, they have VR sets, and uh, you just watch people get lost in it, don't mm. you? Like like literally a, a fully grown young person. Well, fully grown young person. That's a little bit of an oxymoron. But like <laughs> a, a 17 year old young person with a headset on. I'm a like, fully grown young person. <laughs> <laughs> fighting with swords on screens, and they just lose themselves of all yeah. understanding of what's around them. And yeah. I, and and I I really think that that's. Uh, in terms of learning experiences, that's often what, what you want from young people, isn't it? That idea that they become so immersed in something that, that they lose themselves in it. Well, I was just about to say, you can't get more, much more immersed than actually being in the middle of a, of a little scene. I, yeah. think, um, I think it's also really interesting as well that, that I know that it's being explored as beyond just um, you know, venturing into another scene or into another world, but being able to be used for like, medicine so for people that are interested in medical science and how you know you can do things like learning how to fly a plane or you know when you're um when you're when you're in your training perhaps to become someone someone that's interested in uh, law enforcement or something like that i think that there are lots of lots of potential educational um possibilities for it and i think yeah. it's just a very a very exciting space to watch and to see the things that are coming out. And I would say that as the the influencers invest more and more resource into it, it's it's going to be exciting, you know. It, it's yeah. and I think, as you say, the rate of change will will surprise us all. And it's it's you know, I was just speaking to one of the kids at school today. When I when I was his age, so this was a thirteen year old. When I was his age, you know, coming and playing on the uh, the Super Nintendo, I thought that that was going to be the sort of <laughs> yeah. digital peak. Right? How can things get better than this? Yeah. And actually, and, and trying to explain to this to this young man who's pretty tech savvy and into his and into his VR actually was just like you do know that the technology that you're using in 2019 from this point forward it's going to be the worst technology that you use in terms of its potential. <laughs> and it's trying to get your head around that. It doesn't matter if you're uh, my age or a like a 13 year old is just trying to get that perspective on. This is pretty amazing, the things that we're doing now, but you fast forward five years and 10 years and it'll be, yeah. We'll I, I, was talk, I was talking to my brother actually earlier about um, 
and iPod Touch and how like just like nobody hasn't nobody does it. It's all now in in one device rather than yeah. multiple. It's, and and yeah. we're the revolutionary, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. So. Well, they were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So. You, you do a lot of presenting for uh, on on all sorts of things um, yeah. for apps events and as well as doing presenting at, for Google. At, um, I bet you got, just told us before we went on, on there that you're going out to Stiff for your first time. Yeah, it's exciting. Great. Yeah, looking forward to it. I've been those people, quite in... early, but you know, never mind. <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about that. Ollie, if you listen to this, don't don't ask. That's not nice. That's not nice. Just because just because Ben's asked you to go and do something else. <laughs> yeah. remember, remember, he stuck with you. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think. You you do a lot of stuff around Google Classroom um, and do a lot of those demos. Um, what what is it about that that you think as a as a VLE or whatever else you want to see? What, what why do you think Google Classroom is is worth investing in or using? Because I know it's free. Yeah, I think um, so. Again, if I kind of rewind to when I first started using it, I know there are some other really really good tools out there that that, that have similar functionality. I think one of the one of the things which is great is that it can be used across platform. And also a huge plus of using Google and being a G Suite school is that it's free. Um, it's super easy to use. And, and one of the best things from, from a teacher's perspective, actually, is that when you issue the work, it's just being able to see that work, particularly if you uh, create a copy for each student as just like the standard part of any assignment that you might share. Being able to see those students' work and then just be able to dip in and help them and actually give them feedback is relevant because it's where they're at now. You don't have to worry about work being lost. It's a bit of a cliche, you know, but you don't have that dog ate my homework scenario. But it's that it, it, it's but it's such an easy exchange. And I think that, you know, never mind about the various things that you can do with marking, but just as a way to be able to give formative feedback and to be able to just check in with students as well. And if they can very easily that they, they can send you, they can tag you in a comment or they can send a private comment to you and they can just say, you know, this is something that I'm really, really struggling with at the moment. Can I just check in with you? And it's just much easier. It's much more easy for them to do that than to be calling you out in the middle of a class. And I think that the way that technology helps to break down those barriers and to really open up learning and to really open up the honesty that um, that students have about potential difficulties that without the technology they might not be able to share. I think really exemplifies everything that Google Classroom is about. Yeah. I, I get excited every time the there's a some kind of update, and Tell that's me what about it. that's <laughs> it. Yeah, it's what it's it's one of the things I really like about Google. That it's it's not just they haven't just come up with Google Classroom and that's it. It's they're constantly yeah. trying to make it better and constantly getting feedback from teachers. And I think I think that's such a that's such a great point. <coughs> is, is that um, that with all of the tools actually within G Suite, you can give feedback, but, but that's particularly useful with with Google Classroom and seeing how that's grown. I know that um, you know the, the 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 vast majority of changes which are actually implemented into Google Classroom are as a direct are as a direct consequence of the feedback that they're getting from from educators that are using it in their particular context. And what's really nice as well is if you make a suggestion, and it you know and X number of people make the same suggestion and then it's implemented, you actually get an email saying thank you very, very much. And I've had a couple of those, yeah. so, I, so so I can say that, that that definitely is the case. And it's just nice to know that it isn't people that are uh, not in the classroom that are making decisions based upon you know something that they might think could be an improvement they're actually really actively listening and paying attention to what to what teachers are saying uh, so that that's great i think i think that <clears throat> that's really interesting because the uh, 
one of the more recent updates around being able to order things in your stream, reorder things mm. in your stream, and top by topics and whatever else, where where they took that away. And yeah. so many people went, whoa, hold on a minute, we need that back. And, and, they, and they brought it back. And you think that, yeah. that, is, that, is, that is cool. <clears throat> so you, um, you, you use G Suite, and you, but you're also on ADE. Um, what, what, what does that look like? Are you using iPads in the school that you're in? Or yeah, is it so, like a- um, so for anyone that, that might not know, so ADE is an app-distinguished educator, which is sort of the Apple equivalent of being a Google certified innovator. Um, I don't know how the numbers compare. But so I became a uh, Apple Distinguished Educator, ADE, back in 2015, which was actually the year after I became a Google Certified Innovator. And um, the role of the role of an ADE is to you know to be keeping up to speed with not only with a- Apple's own apps that are available on iOS and Mac, but just to know and, and to be you know speaking with people and collaborating with, with within your PLN and growing that and sharing ideas. Not only with your own school, but the idea is, is that you're really sharing that more, more widely. Within my own school's context, we started out, so we're only in our sixth year of operation, so we're a relatively young school. We started out as one-to-one iPad throughout. Uh, by the time that I'd arrived, we were top, so we're grade six through 12, so we run from, from the international system, but that's basically the equivalent of years seven up until year 12, so you're kind of secondary and then sixth form. And the the top three years had switched to using laptop, be those Chromebooks, MacBooks, Windows, doesn't really matter as long as it has Chrome. Um, and then the, the, the younger years were still operating with iPads. We've actually brought that down now. So we are still, for the first couple of years, we're, uh, we're a BYOD environment where the majority of students still bring an iPad. But then after that, the choice becomes the students. And I would support any. And one of the great things, actually, that I'm really, really appreciating now is that that there are so many devices out there. And, and, and it's really great for me to be able to work with students, to work with families as well, to try to identify the, the device that's actually going to work best for that student. Nice. That's really cool. And I, uh, you know, Ben was mentioning that you do some training for Google. I remember a bet earlier this year, walking past the Google stand, and you were up there uh, leading i think it must have been about 50 different um 50 different people in google classroom um and it was it was jam-packed uh there there was people standing on the uh the pathway outside of the stand um you couldn't even get past the google stand because people were were really engaged by what you were saying and i I stopped and and watched for about five minutes and uh it was really good uh yeah i was yeah, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's one of those things as well that when you get into the sort of flow of doing something like that, like Ollie and I between us did it 50 something times in the, in, in the three and a half, sort of four days of bets. Um, but I think it's just really nice in that, that you can really connect with the people that are, because some people are obviously in the class itself. So in the case of bet, we had 12. I think there might be, um, be a few more when we go to ISTE in a couple of weeks. But what's nice is that you have that class, but it's not. It's a fully open classroom. So just as you say, Dan, you might have like people passing by. They might kind of just check in. They might have heard of Google Classroom, watch for a couple of minutes. Maybe they'll come back later. But, but what's great about these things and what's great about sharing is that very often, even if you've used something, you know what it's like. You've used a tool for ages, but someone will share something. You'll think that's something I can take back to my classroom. Yeah. And what's nice as well is that when you finish, not only are people very appreciative, but they're also very willing to share their own school's experiences. And sometimes that's the sort of most illuminating part of that piece. 
yeah, definitely. But I also think uh, people stopping and staring was was a testament to you as well. It was it was it was very <laughs> engaging. <laughs> well, there was probably just. Was I was probably down there waiting for Ollie to start. <laughs> <laughs> well, that dam stayed for five minutes. I was on my way say, somewhere yeah. else. I couldn't stop, but uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's his feedback. Dam doesn't stay five minutes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, so. John, you, go on. No, you go, go for a bit. <laughs> you, you, you're telling me on, on text about going to Agora. Is that right? Agora? Agora, Agora? Yes. Yeah. yes. Tell, tell us about that. That that is wow. That's like a, that. That's a podcast itself. Um, Agora in uh, Ruhrmond in southern Holland is one of the most incredible places I've been to since I've been in education. In fact, probably just one of the most incredible places I've ever been to. Um, it is a school. If you were to look it up, Agora in uh, Ruhrmond, as I say, there are there are a few. Uh, the one I went to was the first, and it. It's just amazing, Ben. It is um, tagged as the school with no classes, no curriculum, no timetable, and no teachers. But that is true. Uh, you might sort of think, well, there's, there's no way that that can work. Like, it must be chaos. And it's the opposite. It's just kind of, it's amazing. So there are coaches, and all of those coaches are qualified teachers. So... But it isn't like so. I'm I'm I've taught PE and I've taught some economics, but but I wouldn't be like, oh, you're going over to Mr. Neil's class for those subjects. You have your each each is effectively each coach is responsible for um, six to ten students, and all of their work driven by challenges. So this is um, it's a school that's led, you know, really really by a visionary Ruben, and it's it's all based on challenges, as I say. And as part of those challenges, the challenges and the progress is actually logged within a system called EgoDact, EgoDact, that was developed by actually three of the students as part of an earlier challenge. So that's still ongoing. And that's been such a success. Not only is it used by all the in the school, it's used by all the staff in the school. So I might, let's say two in a similar space, and we've got our large area where we've got between us four or so students that are working on various challenges. We have a fair idea of what the students are doing because you, you you check in with them on a daily basis. Um, but we'd also know what, what each other's challenges were. So all the coaches were choosing their own personal challenges. So it isn't like a school that pays lip service to teachers being lead learners. The coaches at Agora are, are very much like living that dream. Like they are, they they sort of really embody what it means to to, to be a lifelong learner. Um, and yeah, so it, it, it's just kind of, and this program that was, as I say, that was um, one of the challenges by three of the students that at the time were 14, 15 and 15 and now 16, 16 and 17. I'm not the best at maths, but I'm okay at, you know, plus two. They are now selling that um, uh, platform to schools in and around Holland. And I think it's going, going wider as well now. So it's... If you have a chance to sort of read about them, just to see what's going on, to connect with Rob, to connect with the students, I actually just put up a post of gratitude to them, to them recently, and I really want to do something that, that's more more meaningful. I've got a couple of ideas, but I think that it said it all about the school that one of the first people to reply was a parent, and a parent just said that our, you know, that our child has never been happier. It's just a wonderful place, and I think that if your first question is but what about 
exams and they must all be totally out of control and on their phones, you're asking the wrong sort of question. Like, they, they aren't a school that is... Yes, they take the exams, like, this is a statutory requirement, um, and they do well, uh, but, but it's not about that. It, it, it's, it's about, you know, cultivating the whole person, really developing lots of skills that, that, that extend way beyond what you would see in a traditional classroom. Yeah. Wow. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> You're quite, you uh, quite like flabbergasted. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as you can tell. So, so I only went um, last week. I was lucky enough to be there Thursday afternoon and the whole of Friday. Um, and it was great because I did like a, after my time there, I was kind of looking at things that they were doing. And then I shared with them on a Friday um, some tools that I felt could be useful to be, uh, to be shared amongst the community. And what was great about that is whenever they get someone coming in doing a sort of, I don't want to call it, it was a little bit, it wasn't quite a presentation as such. It was a little bit more of like a workshop and Q&A. But what's great about those is that lots of schools would only ever think to offer their PD for, for staff, right? You know, something's after school, the staff will sort of shuffle in, someone's on their email at the back, um, you know, and kind of nipping out and whatever. But they open everything up. They, they, they default to open. So students are just as welcome as staff. So when I was doing my little piece at the end of the, the week, and bear in mind it's Friday afternoon, half of the you know, 30 or 40 there were actually students. Wow. Yeah. It's really interesting. It's like, it just sounds like the embodiment of a lot of the conversations we've been having on the podcast recently, just thinking of uh, people like Andrew Hammond, um, David Price, who we've got coming up, uh, the that are exploring these new ways of learning that kind of yeah. form form the whole person um yeah. and it's I, as a teacher i don't want to be pessimistic but as a teacher in the uk um it, it just seems like a pipe dream at the moment and i think we've got and we've we've got a lot of forward thinkers we've got a lot of philosophers yeah. educational philosophers who are who are dreaming these dreams and, it, and it's becoming yeah. reality in 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 the places that you've just mentioned in holland yeah um yeah i just I just wonder how far away we are from that yeah. in the UK at the moment. I think um, I think that there's definitely a thirst, as you say, for people looking outside what would be classified a traditional education. I think there is definitely um, like a real interest in seeing how things might look differently. Um, so I'll actually be honest. Like, what, what were the things that like really helps frame my my sort of thoughts is I've got. Two, two little boys of my own, they're three years old and, and five. And I just think for them that what education do I want for them? And actually, like, I think that lots of what I see is if you, if you classify success and what are your results like as what do you get in your GCSEs or whatever it is, if that's the only way that you are measuring success, I'm just not sure that's something that... that that I want for my for, for, for my boys. Not because I don't think that they would necessarily get the grades, but I just feel that there's, you know, that the school should be about really developing, finding things to be passionate about, being able to pursue those passions, to be able to present, to collaborate, and more than just once or now, uh, sorry, what once every now and then in the in a sort of special class. Like today we're doing our our group work. Um it, it, yeah. I think it's just, it's one of those things as well, I guess like VR, where, where you can either sit back and watch and wait and, and you can see what happens. Or I think, um, I think it's going to take people uh, to actually 
jump in and try to make those changes. So, so we'll see what happens. And if the opportunity, if the opportunity ever came for me to be to be involved with anything like that, I'd be super excited to to explore that. Maybe, maybe we should build a school together, John. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. that's for, that that's for our next chat. But. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I, th- I think we we I know I know Stephen would say we could talk all night. Uh, yeah. I I really feel like just the, the work that you're doing, um, the inspiration that you continue to be for us and so many people. I think he's uh, I, I think it's fitting to say it on a podcast, but you you're doing a great job, and uh, we really appreciate uh, the friendship, but also the kind of leadership that's coming from that in terms of your what you're doing. So thank you for your encouragement. Uh, and uh, keep doing the great stuff that you're doing thanks for coming on John cheers guys it's been an absolute pleasure and you are doing a miraculous job as well I'm kind of uh, yeah I'm, I'm big big fans of the show so it's a real, real pleasure to be on thank you thanks, thank John. you take care